episode 26 of the New England Sports Media Podcast. Got a band of brothers here on uh, the New England Sports Media Podcast. Jeff and Taylor Mannix, co-hosts of the Big Jab Saturday in Portland, uh, and also work for the Red Claws and other variety of sports aspects. Jeff, also the broadcaster for UMaine Men's Hockey, among other things, and my former intern boss, sort of, with the Portland Pirates. How's it going, guys? Going well, going well, Greg and Liam. Thanks for letting us join you. Yeah, thanks for being with us. So uh, the main thing that you guys do now, at least together, is the Big Jab Saturday, where I am now become a regular caller to message about the Celtics. But I want to start, before you got there, um, can you guys just give us a quick run-through of where you've been at uh, before that? I'll let Jeff start, because he's got a list. Oh, gosh. Uh, yeah, my first professional job was in 2000. So it was right after, uh, yeah, it was my sophomore year of college uh, when I was at the University of Maine. I started working at WZON Radio in Bangor, uh, which used to be an all sports radio station. Now it's basically an oldies station, but um, that's where I kind of cut my teeth. Uh, did a lot of high school sports, a lot of small college sports there, some University of Maine there. Uh, most of my UMaine initial experience was at uh, WMEB, which is something Taylor and I share in common, uh, the college radio station up at the University of Maine. Uh, from there, I went to the Lewiston Maniacs, uh, broadcast three years there, uh, both television and radio. Uh, then I got out of hockey for a little while, went to the West well, not really the West Coast, Washington State. I was like five hours from the coast, but closer to Idaho. Uh, I did high school sports, uh, some college sports out there too, and then uh, came back for the Portland Pirates job uh, and started broadcasting American Hockey League games there. Uh, and now I do humane hockey uh, amongst a lot of work for the Big Jab. I do tons and tons of things uh, at the Big Jab. Uh, for me, it was a little bit different. When I got out of high school, uh, we went right to the military. Uh, I served in that. Um, had a little a little fun, I guess you could say, uh, doing that thing, getting my butt in shape for a couple of years. Once I got out of there, I decided that I wanted to uh, go to college. Um, and I, I, I didn't really know what I wanted to do at the time, but I remember that, you know, seeing with my brother and especially my father, Kevin Mannix, who I think a lot of people know, um, seeing that path just seemed like one that was interesting and intrigued me. And so just like my brother mentioned, WMEB was a spot that I gravitated to when I got to the University of Maine. Um, and I actually became the sports director there. My brother was the station manager when he was there. I never got to that uh, level, but, you know, I made it to the sports director there for two years. Uh, I worked with ESPN Plus, uh, a guy named Sam Hallett, who is the digital director up there. Man, hats off to him. I still talk to him now. Uh, he's a great guy, incredible at what he does. He had me. Um, doing soccer, field hockey, um, football. I mean, you name it, women's basketball, everything. I was doing broadcast for ESPN Plus uh, on that note for them. And it was so fun and such a good experience. And then once I finished up there, I came down here and I was lucky enough to uh, start the big jab. And for a year, uh, I was just kind of sitting around as I feel like uh, just a, another guy in the studio, kind of like, you know, no offense to Lou, but just like Lou, you know what I mean? Just kind of pushing buttons and, you know, not doing a lot. And then, I got the message from my brother one day and said, hey, you know, we had a meeting and how would you feel about uh, coming on the Saturday show and, and starting that off? And, and to this day, I'm so happy we did it because I think it's something special. And 
obviously I, I got a lot way to go in my career before I get to where Jeff accolades are, but I think uh, getting off on the right foot and I'm looking forward to continuing to grow and having him as a role model is incredible. I mean, you heard what he's done and just being able to see and learn from someone like that has helped me uh, exponentially. I can't even express that enough. So I'm very lucky to be in the family I'm in and, and have the, uh, the ties to learn the, the proper way uh, to be a sports journalist. Yeah, absolutely. For the record, Kevin Mannix, our dad is a, a retired weatherman in the he's a 50 50 man that's what we call the weatherman <laughs> <laughs> so guys um i'm curious I'll, i kind of want to take this conversation a couple of different ways first let's talk about your saturday show um before you guys i don't know if there's someone in between but it was mike antonellis who was the sea dogs uh radio broadcaster um and then i don't know was there someone in between before you guys took it over or no uh, no, it was uh, it was me taking over initially from Mike, uh, and that was basically his decision. I I'd, I'd been filling in the summer, the two previous summers for him because he, you know, doing his Sea Dogs games, uh, and and I was doing the Pirates, so the, usually there was not a whole lot of overlap. So whenever his season started, I could just go in and and fill in during the summers, and then he would take it back again. Uh, in the fall, but once he started working full time for the Sea Dogs again, he decided he didn't want to do that anymore. So uh, I got the show full time at that point, and that was right about the time the Pirates left town too. So that was fortuitous timing for me because I was able to kind of pick right up with something else uh, after losing that uh, opportunity. So uh, I did it on my own for a little while, and then. Uh, really why I wanted to bring my brother in was because I thought it would be a unique sound number one, but the other was I had just gotten the university of Maine television job, which was going to require a lot of weekends up in Orono. So I needed, I think another consistent voice to host the show besides me for the days that I knew I wasn't going to be there over the winter. And uh, I couldn't think of a better person than my brother uh, who was already in sports media and I thought it was going to be something a little bit unique. Um, I, I haven't really done a whole lot of research, but I don't know about very many brother combinations that there are uh, in sports radio. So I just kind of thought it was a neat thing to do. And I'm glad uh, that uh, the bosses, uh, John Van Hoganston and, and Shu at, at Atlantic Coast Radio uh, decided that that was a good thing to do. And I, I personally think it's the show has gotten so much better since Taylor's joined it. It's added a different element to it. Uh, Taylor is uh, younger than everybody else at the big jab. So I think it brings that, that more younger perspective into sports radio that I think has been lacking a little bit. And I'm glad that, that we provide it and, and have a little bit different listenership than than the weekday shows which are also great but you know we're just kind of trying to do something a little bit different and I think we're succeeding at that so if you guys were to explain like what the big jab is to someone who's not from Portland how would you introduce it oh man I, I would definitely say it's better than WEEI uh, I would 100%. I even listen I would 100% agree I, I would I would describe the big jab as you is unique in, in one sense I think you have such a variety of personalities if you listen to the morning show what, what Shu and Joe were able to put together and then you have Javier uh, and Chris Sedanka who are, are incredible personalities in their own they do their own brute strength podcast uh, and then of course you bring us on Saturday and as you mentioned we do something different like we do soccer uh, we do a lot more local stuff than some of the guys during the weekday. So I think with the big jab, you're just getting such a variety of sports that you don't 
get anywhere else. Uh, I mean, where else are you going to be able to hear the Wayne Fleet soccer coach having a conversation about them taking down Class A giants? You're not going to get that anywhere else but on the big jab. Um, so I think that's what it brings. I think it's just it's something different. And I, I think it's really cool that people are able to kind of come to the big jab and, and get that information and rather than going to a place like EEI. You know, and I, I, that's, that's what I think it is for me. Uh, I'm not sure for Jeff, but to me it's just it's the ability to have so many different personalities and so many different things going on that it's, it's for anybody. Yeah. And, and the great thing is we all work together. Well, I mean, I think we all do, uh, you know, kind of different things. We all have our own personalities, but everybody that's on a show on the big jab brings their own piece to the puzzle. It's, I think it's a good mix. And uh, you know, I mean, besides the live shows that we do, I mean, Red Sox baseball, Celtics basketball. I mean, it's uh, and, you know, amongst the other stations, NFL football, University of Maine sports, hockey and football and men's basketball are on uh, one of the sister stations in the group. So it's uh, it's a big variety of sports that we cover. And it's uh, it's really fun. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I will say too, sorry to interrupt, but just to add to like, uh, again, to hammer down on working well together again, everybody there, like we're all friends. Like I text Dex, yep. you know what I mean? Like we are all legitimately good friends. Like it is a really, really good environment to work in, man. So obviously, I mean, everyone knows what it's, what, what someone who's on the air is, but like when, when you have a Red Sox game, a Celtics game, like for people who don't know, like, what are you doing? Like, <laughs> like what are you doing? Like, what is your role? Uh, you know, making sure the stream kind of doesn't have any hiccups. Um, I, I know my brother's more on like the engineering side of that stuff. You could probably explain a little better, but basically, I mean, for me, I do a lot of my like show stuff. Like for instance, if I, we have the show Saturday, I'm in there for a red claws game. Um, obviously you're doing notes cause you have to do the halftime show, but it's also a chance where you can actually really go into some stats and sit there and be a nerd and break down box scores and write stuff down and really kind of just dive in. So for me, I use those opportunities, uh, along with, you know, um, producing obviously, but I use those opportunities a lot of times to kind of educate myself and what's going on around leagues and things like that, dive deeper in, into little things. Yeah, a lot of the time when we're just there for, for say, a, a Red Sox game, it is literally making sure that the commercials run in the right spots. That's pretty much, uh, yeah. you know, the, the, the gist of it. But um, when it's, you know, when you're doing other stuff that's this more local, uh, the main Red Claws stuff, for instance, uh, that's a little bit more in-depth because you're, you're making sure commercials run at the same time, but you're also putting together those, uh, you know, that pregame, that postgame show, that halftime show that you need to do on air. And yeah, I mean, you're, you're researching for that. You're also kind of watching everything else that's going on to provide the, the best update that you can uh, in the moment and uh, try to cover as many things as I can. I know that's at least what I do when I'm when I'm there. And for the most part, uh, on the Red Claws broadcast, that's me that's in the studio. I'm the executive, product, yeah, executive producer of the radio uh, broadcast as, uh, as well on the radio network, which the Big Jab uh, is the flagship station for. And, and that's a fun gig that I've had uh, since the Pirates left town, too. Uh, so it's it's been kind of nice to to be on that side of things on, on the real producer side of things and 
you know, it's a, a different uh, aspect of the job than, than play by play. And I, I like that aspect too, because you get to kind of do everything behind the scenes and, you know, pick the music that's on the broadcasts, pick your, you know, kind of everything that, that goes into it, all the elements of it. And, and that's kind of a, of a neat thing too, that, uh, that at least uh, I do as part of the, the Red Claws radio team. That's a, that's the most involved I am in anything other than the show at the station and probably the most time consuming thing besides, uh, besides the show that I do there. So, so now like when you turn to your show every week, like, how are you guys planning it out? Are you doing like a Google Doc? Are you putting ideas by each other? Is it by by out? Like, are you planning out? Is I know you have like your soccer thirty and stuff, but like, are you planning? Is it every hour the same thing? Like, like what goes into the show planning? How does it How does it work? How do you put together your your show every weekend? Well, a lot of it, man, it's actually pretty simple. Well, that's the blessing of having your brother doing it. We think very much alike. Uh, usually, it'll be funny. We'll kind of text each other throughout the week. And how it'll go is either I'll text him something or he'll text me something and we'll already be thinking about it, which is like kind of funny how that works. And we'll be like, oh, I actually had that same idea. Well, like when we ran back our, our best of show from yesterday, uh, he texted me the list and was like, what do you think? I'm like, well, literally everybody I had on my list is on your list. So perfectly, like, let's run with it. And so I think that's one of the, the lucky things of working with your brother is uh, you have that connection, you have the understanding, you kind of already know what to expect going into it because we're kind of in each other's minds in that sense. And for the soccer 30, uh, my brother hats off to him. He makes a, a sheet every single week, like I'm dead ass, like 15 pages, every league goals. I mean, whatever you need to know, it is a cheat sheet for soccer. Um, and that preparation that he does that goes into that helps us put that together. And uh, I think the soccer 30 has come so far from when we started it and what we originally had in mind for it. And like, to be honest, that's like my favorite thing that we've been able to create uh, on the big jab Saturday is that in our, in the preparation that goes into that, it's like hats off to, to my brother who does that. We both sit there and I know for a fact, we're watching highlights every day from every league all the time. So the preparation that goes into alone, the soccer 30, I, I know is hours <laughs> throughout the week. But for the most part, when it comes to, I think, the whole lineup, I mean, we just flow. Uh, and I think that we're lucky enough that we kind of have that ability to because we just we're brothers. That's just kind of the, the, the way it goes with that stuff. You kind of know what each other's thinking, at least for I think me. The soccer the is pretty sick, because like, especially like in, Bo in Boston, all these stations, like you would never have like a soccer <laughs> on a show. Like, I think it's pretty awesome that you guys do that. Yeah, and, and honestly, I felt like it was an audience that's completely underserved in, in sports radio, and that's part of the reason why I felt like it was a good idea to do this segment. I, Taylor and I were just talking about the genesis of it not long ago, and you know, for him, it was, it was just a, a way to talk soccer on the radio for 30 minutes and, and kind of do something fun for me. <laughs> This really was something that I thought could kind of take off uh, as as a segment and as a, as a part of the show and, and bring a different listening audience element into it because uh, soccer is the most popular sport in the world. No, it is not the most popular sport in the United States, but it continues to gain popularity every single year. There are, you know, some of the richest people in sports that are investing in, in the sport here in the United States. Uh, and it's growing by leaps and bounds. More kids play the sport than ever before. 
And I, I think more people, certainly of, of Taylor's age, now can you know kind of watch more soccer uh, than people my age did. There's an 11 year age separation between the two of us, so I know I came up in a generation that really bashed soccer. Uh, Taylor was in a generation I think that more accepted it a little bit more as a mainstream sport. So, uh, and, and I think that's only going to continue to grow, uh, especially once uh, it looks like we're going to get a professional soccer team here in Portland with all the work that. Uh, Gabe Hoffman Johnson and the folks at, at Portland, you know, USL to Portland are doing, uh, I think really when we started, it was the right time to do it and kind of build up that anticipation for a local pro team, but also build up anticipation for more and more soccer being around and more, more and more people being interested in it because as there's more and more, soccer on television because there's going to be we see not only you know english premier league and la liga and Serie A, but we see women's leagues too i mean the the uh you know the nwsl has games on cbs now on saturday afternoons and uh a lot of times there's uh you know women's english premier league games uh on nbcsn on days the english premier league aren't playing so there's more and more and there's more and more women's soccer, too. And I think it was important to capitalize on that and kind of get ourselves out front for when soccer really kind of takes off, which I think it will within the next dec you know, half a decade or so. And I think really when it's going to happen is in 2026, when the United States hosts a World Cup with Canada and Mexico, and it's literally going to be the biggest thing on the sports landscape for a month uh, or a month plus at that point. And, and that's when I think a lot of people are going to get roped into it, especially if the United States does well and we've got a good crop of young players. And I think we can do really, really well come 2026. Yeah. I think that's pretty awesome. But you mentioned like the NWSL, like even like some of the investors who have been putting money into that, like some of the biggest athlete names in, in America. So it's definitely growing. No doubt about it. Uh, you know, it seems like a lot of those NWSL teams do have, you know, some real big investment. I'm kind of looking forward to uh, the, the new side that's going to come in there, Angel City, which has, you know, Mia Hamm is one of the owners and, and a lot of people there uh, that, that will be playing in Los Angeles. And I'm looking forward to that because I, I do think the, the league is growing and it, it is kind of fun to see all these U.S. women's national team players not only playing uh, in that league, but also playing overseas as well, because so many of them have gone to either, you know, uh, England or France to, to play for women's organizations over there, kind of in the off season, because we do the seasons opposite of Europe, basically. They take the summer off. We play during the summer and take the winter off. So uh, it's, you know, kind of the seasons don't overlap, but it allows them all to, to kind of play, year round if they want to. And that's kind of a, of a neat thing. And, and I do think that the league's growing and, and just looking at, at the ratings from CBS, they had some, you know, for women's soccer, they had some really good ratings. I think it was higher than a lot of people expected. Yeah. And it also kind of mirrors like the WNBA too, like with their popularity and, and, and in Maine, uh, I know I've told Liam about this a lot. Like women's basketball in Maine is a really big deal. Like the, the UMaine program has had a long lineage of, great players of course like Sydney Bond is the one everyone's heard of but 
women's basketball here is a big deal too. And, and a lot of players are doing well in college. And I kind of want to, I want to take that as a little bit of a segue because something that you guys talked about at the beginning, kind of what makes the big jab different. And I think what makes you guys different is you talk about local sports, you know, uh, no, no, I'm not trying to throw shade to the other people at the big jab, but you know, I'm not me personally, I'm not interested in hearing about like a, a from some Broncos like beat writer or something. And a lot of people are, but, but like, that's not me. And like, so I'm curious, like how do you guys find the balance between getting stuff like your soccer stuff, your, your pro stuff, you do hit on all the pro stuff, but also getting to local sports. Like, how do you, how do you do all that? How do you, how do you find to fit it in and what value do you place on it? I think there's a huge value on it. Uh, I think one thing that we talk about all the time after the show, before the show is how we need to continue to push local, especially uh, women's basketball in this state. I mean, you look what Mackenzie Holmes is doing. I think we're going to get pretty close to talking about her going to the WNBA if she continues to progress in the way she is in the next couple of years over at Indiana. Um, obviously, you know, a little bit away from that, maybe a hot take, but the way she's playing, I mean, she had 19 points the other night in a win. It's just incredible to see how a player of that caliber is doing. Uh, Anna DeWolf as well. Uh, unbelievable statistics that they're putting up. And, and I think it's that's where the importance is, is how can you not uh, talk about that? And I, you know, and I, and I know, you know, not even to call it our own show, but kind of a lot of other uh, people around the state. Uh, I feel like if Mackenzie Holmes is dropping 19 points, that needs to be primetime news on WMTW or on channel six. And it's not, and it's, it yeah. kind of sucks to see that because I agree. I think there is a lack of that. And I hope that what we do on our show is, is bring that to light a little bit, but I, I think it is unfortunate. There's a lack of that. And I, I do wish there was more pressure on the local media to go find those highlights to contact IU and get in touch with these people to continue to promote local. Because again, yeah. the fact that it's almost like a blind eye, not a blind, I don't want to say a blind eye, but there's definitely not as much attention being given to the subject that should be. I mean, it's just, it blows my mind that I'm not watching Mackenzie Holmes highlights every night on local news when she's playing. I, I, that's, that's what it does for me. Um, I don't know about Jeff, but again, like for me, the importance on local is it's right at the top. It's, it's up there with soccer. In my opinion, that has to be up there. Obviously, like you said, we talk about professional sports, but for me, local sits like number one uh, because I think that's how can you not promote what's going on in your own community and, and push for that and push for that to better and, and maybe even inspire other kids to continue to push and strive for those goals. Yeah, I, I, Taylor and I agree on that. And, and I come from, uh, you know, from a from a radio station, my first place, WZON, which was a hyper hyper local station i mean yes they they talked the red Sox, and they were the red Sox station up in bangor and you know they had bruins and celtics and they literally pretty much had every sports property you could have uh but the main thing we were doing and i'm not kidding every especially during basketball season every single night of the week we had a high school basketball game on or a high school hockey game on and that kind of you know being in that hyper local hyper uh you know coverage area I and mean, bangor is a very unique market for for sports because humane's right there but i mean high school basketball is such a big deal and i remember the first thing that really kind of jump-started my interest in hey there's bigger you know there, there's sports more locally than um than just the professional and college sports that I was watching was as a kid being able to watch the main high school basketball tournament on MPBN. 
uh, and, you know, literally just during school vacation, sitting in front of the television and being able to watch a class D girls high school basketball game in a morning on a Monday or something, I thought was the coolest thing ever. And it helped me not only learn about sports locally, but it helped me learn about my state because then I could look up where all these places were, where all these communities were and learn a little bit about them. And I've kind of always had that instinct in me. I want to be able to tell those stories, especially the ones that are, are really interesting, you know, be it, uh, you know, uh, Forest Hills basketball, uh, the class D team that seems like they can't lose now. Uh, you know, I, I want to be able to tell a story like that because, you know, it, it's about the biggest thing going on in Jackman, Maine. And, you know, other than that, they don't get a whole lot of coverage for anything. So, uh, if, if we can provide something that's going to be good for that community and be able to, showcase what's going on i think that's a good thing and that's something that that i've always kind of really wanted to do uh from you know and i've kind of lived all over the state a little bit i was born in northern maine grew up in bangor now i'm living in lewiston i've lived in portland a little bit so i've, I've kind of been all over i've traveled all over and i, and I like telling those stories so i want to i want to yeah. pick in there real quick because I'm curious now, on the other hand, like when you're, when your guys are having your show, what drives the most engagement? Like does local sports drive engagement from the listeners or does it not? I think that there is an absolute audience for it. Cause I, I mean, I don't know how many times we feel calls after we do an interview with someone like, you know, Joe MP McCauley, like, wow, thank you guys for doing this. You know? So I think that there is a big audience for it. I think there's more than people give it credit for um, and just because they might not call in doesn't mean that they're not listening. Uh, again, kind of what Jeff said. I remember when I was in high school playing soccer for Portland, my favorite thing used to be seeing my name in the newspaper, right? So it's the same thing for these high school kids. I mean, you're so excited. Oh my God, I'm on the radio. It, it brings life to a community. It gets community excited. Oh, they're talking about our basketball team. Like that's on a, on a, on a national syndicated rate. You know what I mean? It's, it's exciting. It brings excitement to the community. So even if I don't think you can necessarily see on Twitter. You don't really see maybe much engagement from it. You might not get many calls, but it, it's there. And I, and I know it's there. And, and you can just see it just from being that kind of kid in high school and knowing how much it meant to just see your name or hear it on the radio. I think people really embrace it. And I think parents love it too. Hearing your kid be talked about on, on the big jam is, is you got to be a proud dad. So, you know, again, I, I think that as much as maybe, People are kind of reluctant to say there is an audience for that in soccer. There is, even if they don't make it notice, you know, there's one. So you have to continue to drive that home uh, and, and believe in it because I know it's there. Even if it doesn't show up on Twitter and the likes, or it doesn't show up in the rate, in the phone calls every Saturday, it's there. And it's a market that can't be ignored. Yeah. As for biggest areas of engagement, I mean, I think it kind of depends on the time of year. Certainly, um, I mean, when the Red Sox are in, that's really what drives us um, when it comes to uh, engagement and calls and that sort of thing. Uh, people are Red Sox crazy here. We know that. Um, I- I've noticed an awful lot of calls uh, and-, and engagement, too, lately on the Celtics, um, more so than the Patriots even right now. I think the Celtics are – 
a little bit bigger of a driver of engagement and calls right now and even texts than the Patriots, um, which is which is kind of interesting. And I think because of my own background, we get a fair amount of, of hockey calls, too. It seems like there's at least one a week, even during the off. Yeah. And they always uh, ask you too, like, hey, Jeff, I got this hockey question for you. I'm like, I don't blame him. This guy's a walking encyclopedia for the NHL. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> So, so with that, like with having that, like knowing what, what drives and, and what you have as important, like, how do you, then how do you turn that into your show? Like, how do you split up what you're going to do? If you know that you're going to want some callers and you know that talking about high school basketball might not get some callers, how do you run those segments? How do you know when to put them in your show? How do you know when they should stop? How do you know how long they should go? I think a lot of times it's interesting because I'll look at my brother, especially after uh, we'll get we'll go to commercial break and we kind of I think we do a lot of that like we'll look at each other and say yo we got to piggyback with that like let's talk about this or hey let's jump to this because that's you just hear those calls like we got to stick on that I, I mean that's what a lot of it is I think is kind of reading the room you know uh, understanding what your audience is at that day because again he says you know some days you get Celtics calls next day dude you're feeling Cam Newton calls for like two hours you know what I mean so it's 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 just you got you got to read the room and be able to adjust on the fly. And I think me and my brother do that really, really well, just being able to communicate during the show and say, hey, what's what's the vibe right now? Like, what are people into? Maybe we should switch it up. Let's squash that. Let's not talk about that. I just think we do a really good job of communicating that during the show. And that's one way that we can kind of keep it flowing is definitely reading the room. Yeah, that's, that's one thing I'll say. I, I don't think we necessarily have a set plan for how we're going to do every show necessarily. I mean, we have our, our segments where they go, but, you know, our, our recurring segments anyway, they always have a spot uh, every week where they go. The soccer 30, 715 in the morning, Mannix versus Mannix is at the end of the show. But other than that, uh, you know, we pretty much kind of plan around interview times and around what the kind of the big topic is and and having a show only once a week we do kind of get to hone that take a little bit uh you know we get to you know kind of think about you know something that maybe happened on a Sunday that you might think differently about if you were in there the next day and talking about it than having six days separation and really getting to to kind of digest everything that's happened there because sometimes your opinions do change on that and you know, we do kind of, yeah, it's, it's kind of all about reading the room, what, uh, you know, what texts we're getting in and, you know, what kind of, you know, what kind of calls we're getting initially that does kind of take us in, in different directions sometimes. And, and that's fine. I think having the show the way we have it kind of does provide the ultimate flexibility for us to be able to, to kind of go wherever, callers take us or, or to go wherever one of our conversations take us and, and to be fair when if there's like for instance the celtics are on friday night we're talking celtics like that's a hundred percent the topic like that's a mess like we're hitting that you know so you know there are a hundred percent times where we don't you know it's just known hey celtics are on friday night patriots are on sunday that's i mean we got to talk about that it's the most relevant so there's also that you just kind of understanding the schedules of things and realizing hey i mean it's Celtics played the Nets last night bro like we know we're taking Kyrie calls <laughs> <laughs> absolutely plenty of those uh jeff and taylor yeah. thanks so much for joining us on this uh, and obviously yeah, I appreciate it you can listen to them on on saturday mornings in the big jab 963 in portland 7 to 11 and 
they they love engagement i know uh they enjoy when people call and and like to argue with or at least i like to argue with Taylor mostly on on the show hey man i love our conversations bro never get it twisted man and i'm still <laughs> hey I, I the jury's still out on greg monroe for me yeah, so I before we, so we're, I'm gonna get Liam's take on this. So I said Greg Monroe at his like at his peak was like just as good as Tristan Thompson. Am I wrong? I think you're but, right. I, don't, I think I, you're I'm right. Looking at the numbers, bro, you you make a great point, man. Numbers don't <laughs> lie, and you're you're nailing, dude. When you send me those stats, I'm like, all right, bro, Greg's on to something with this one. Yeah, I mean Monroe was putting up like twenty and and ten for a little yeah. while. Honestly, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> he was a fringe all star. Yeah. Well, I remember him at Georgetown mostly, so that was where my like Greg Monroe memories come from. Is him playing in college? Yeah, that was my that was my best take of the year. Honestly. I think he had, <laughs> I loved it. I loved it, man. You nailed it. <laughs> definitely a better better game than Tristan Thompson. More skilled uh, around the rim. I'll say that. This was twenty years ago. Greg Monroe would be way better. But anyway, <laughs> right? Yeah, <laughs> he doesn't fit in this NBA. No, no, not at all. The moose, <laughs> the moose don't work in the NBA. They work. Yeah. In the NBA, though, but, all right, guys. Thanks so much, and we really appreciate it. Yeah, thank you. Thanks for having us. Yeah.